Part 2, Chapter 9, Learning to Fly By the spring of 1981, it had become quite clear to me that I had to move out of DCM. Unfortunately, a five-year stint in plant administration was not exactly the most marketable work experience. When I scoured the newspapers, most job opportunities seemed to be in areas like finance or marketing. My experience was irrelevant to both. The occasional administration manager's job required a 40-year-old, and I was not even 24. A mentor within the system suggested that I move to the computer division of the DCM group that manufactured microprocessor-based systems. It was easier said than done. There were solid walls between DCM's different divisions, and you needed a godfather to scale them. Around the same time, someone suggested that I meet Anil Dang, an export manager, who, as his reporting line was different, was outside Jupiter's path. Maybe he could help. Being an ex-management trainee himself, he was sympathetic when I met him. He thought the idea of seeking an internal transfer from one DCM unit to another was futile. He suggested that I explore employment possibilities with a startup named HCL. He knew the founders there. Specifically, he was willing to give me an introduction to the head of human resources, a man named George Korath. When I met Korath, he gave me two pieces of information. The only position HCL was hiring for was entry-level salespeople, and the guaranteed monthly salary would be 40% lower than what DCM was paying me at the time. There was the possibility of earning commission on sales, but that income would be variable, and in fact, it would take a year to determine how much commission I had earned. This meant that for at least a year, Sushmita and I would have serious cash flow problems. She was still at college, and occasionally, we also needed to send some money home. There's a third angle to the whole dilemma. The distance I would have to commute every day would be four times what I used to, and that meant increased fuel costs. But there were silver linings to the cloud. Switching over to sales would allow me to learn new job skills and give me a new life away from the politics of a decadent smokestack system that had already condemned me to the electric chair. If I made enough sales calls using my own motorbike every day, the mileage reimbursements for that could cover the cost of the extra commute as well. The key question in all this then really was, was I ready to take a 40% cut in salary? Sometimes, in our moments of conflict, we come across a sign that in a flash helps us to reach a decision which hours of frustrating reasoning cannot achieve. Almost magically, options become clear. One evening, while walking in Connaught Circus, I saw a book with a rather unusual cover. It showed a bird in flight, wings outstretched. The book was Jonathan Livingston Seagull by Richard Bach. Impulsively, I bought the book and began reading it as soon as I reached home. I couldn't put it down once I started reading. The protagonist of the book, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, taught me that life's true purpose is not to live to earn. It's about having the courage to take flight.
Sushmita also read the book and suddenly the decision we had to take was clear. We would take the risk, a leap into the future. Cash flow became unimportant. If I did well, would be able to make up the loss in income through sales commissions. If I did not, it didn't matter. We would figure things out. After all, in another year, she would have completed her studies and could get a job. I resigned from DCM. The system quietly accepted it. My staff gave me a loving, private farewell and I crossed over from a company that had started in the 19th century to one that had a toehold in the 21st. On 1st July 1981, I reported for work at H. Sales Parton office in Nehru Place, New Delhi, and the first thing I realized was that I knew nothing about computers or about selling. Like Jonathan Livingston.